Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Armchair Survivalist. This is Kurt Wilson, your Armchair Survivalist, and today is September the 8th in the year 2019. Welcome to my show. All right, so I want to get some business out of the way for the for the company, Survival Enterprises. Uh, we're still closing out the Aquacera, the Dalton, the water purification systems. Uh, let's see what else. The solar panels, the folding solar panels, heirloom seeds, pepper seeds, uh, the filters. We did, we got some filters in, by the way, the 7-inch uh, ceramic filters. These are the white ceramic filters that go in any of the uh, gravity-fed water filtration systems. I don't care what company makes them. They all have the same little holes in it that these will fit in in the top. These take out pretty much everything. They're white ceramatized diatomaceous earth is what it is. It's embedded with silver, so it kills all known pathogen. The internally, it'll take out fluoride and arsenic and lead and fuel additives and all of this neat stuff. So we've got one, we got one case of them in. They're 40 bucks a piece. You're not going to find them on the website. You're going to have to call the company, uh, 800-753-1981. Anytime. Just, just give us a holler and we'll take your order. We don't have too many of them left. So any of you want to stock up on them or want to put some into storage. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm still working on the goat milk soap page. This goat milk soap, now let, let me tell you where we discovered it, at the Coeur d'Alene Casino. We had a friend down there, and, and we're VIPs there, so he gives me these cards. It's worth 200 bucks of oddball stuff you buy in the, uh, the the room that sells oddball stuff. So we went and saw this soap in there and bought a whole bunch of it and used it, and it is it softens your skin. It's literally, goat milk is extremely nutritious, and it just soaks right into your skin, and it, it does all kinds of good stuff. And it's not just for you females out there. So I, I use it too. I, I use it to wash my face and, and uh, my head, which you literally can't tell the difference because, unless I grow a beard. And we start with the economy. Now, I said last week about how the new prime minister, Boris Johnson, got permission from the queen to basically close parliament for a short period so that the elites in there would stop wasting the time and allow England to go through their exit from the EU. Well, the Queen said, sure, go ahead. He tried. He got slapped down from both parties. And he cannot slow it down. He, he can't do anything. He can't stop them. The exit was supposed to have occurred already. And what's been happening for years is that the elites, these are the these are the ruling elites in England, in the UK, keep stalling it and stalling it and stalling it. And they uh, succeeded in stalling again. So you people in the UK, you still no longer are English citizens. You're citizens of the EU. We had jobs reports uh, that came out this week, and it was a little bit disappointing, quote-unquote, meaning we didn't hire a quarter million people, but uh, we, we were able to, I think it was a little under 150,000 people were actually hired this week. Remember, the U.S. government is the largest employer pretty much in the world. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. Well, they're starting to hire employees for the census 2020 census which is going to start happening next year by the way if anybody out there wants a job basically walking door to door and talking to americans and getting yelled at about who the hell are you and it's none of your damn business you can make 14 15 dollars an hour some somewhere around there they need like well, like twenty five thousand people Ten, these are not that's just temporary but you know who knows if you schmooze the, your supervisor just right, maybe uh, you put a word in with the government and they'll uh, hire you on permanent. But anyway, so if you want a job, the census is hiring right now. And because they're hiring, that pulled up the amount of hires for the week. Not a big deal because 
Right now in the United States, we have more people working than in, than in history. And I mean percentage-wise. We've got a, a population that's 300 million plus. We have almost 158 million of them working. And right now, black unemployment has hit a record low in the United States. See, this is the thing that confuses me. The Democrat Party, which is, is the party of racism... They are the ones that have been keeping the blacks down on the plantation since the 1800s. And Democrats' job is to keep blacks uneducated and angry at white people. And that gives them a voting block that uh, really helps them. But now, how do you argue with this? I have heard for decades black people say, I need a job. I can't find work. I can't find work. And now there's more work out there than, than there's people to fill the jobs. And black unemployment is at 3.7%. It is the lowest in history. And we know why. It's because of Trump. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. Okay, now we're getting into the health and food department. I have, for years, told people, don't, don't ever use diet sodas. Just don't do it. Well, a new article came out. And this is a, this is a study. This is a major study. And this is astounding to me because, as usual... They can't put two and two together. To give you an idea, two Diet Cokes or Diet Sodas a day increase your risk of deadly heart attack or stroke by 50%. By 50%. This is Diet Soda. Guess what's in Diet Soda? Aspartame. And that's the problem is I've seen numerous testing on Diet Sodas in connection with obesity, in connection with multiple sclerosis, in connection with you name it, just just massive amounts of different diseases, they boil it down to diet drinks, diet sodas. They never say, what's in the soda? They they just say diet sodas or sugar-free products, such as Diet Pepsi or Lucozato Zero, I don't know what that is, cause cancer, cause diabetes, cause strokes, All they have to do is look at the ingredients. The number one ingredient in these things that causes these problems is aspartame. It is deadly. Now, those of you who listen to my show and actually care, uh, you can look at my show notes. And I have links to everything that I'm talking about. If you go to armchairsurvivalist.com, on the left-hand side, you'll see show notes. You click on that, and it'll take you to where you can find the page that has the the links of all the articles I talk about, and then you can do your own research. You don't have to listen to me. From what I understand, though, listening to me is a good thing. It helps you fall asleep at night. The first two articles is, number one, diet sodas help kill you. (laughs) And number two, aspartame kills. Duh. The problem is the food. And people eat crap. I have people come into my store here in Hayden. It just depends on my mood and and, uh, the customer's level of humor. Whether I actually break down and tell them the truth. So when a 5'3 woman comes in that weighs 350 pounds and she's complaining because she has digestion problems, back problems, headaches, and her knee's going to have to be replaced. Very simply say, well, here's the problem. You eat crap, you drink crap, you smoke crap. And you don't exercise. And most of the time they agree with me. Only one time was I uh, wrong with that. And that was when a snowflake came in. And oh boy, that was a whole different experience than real life, I can tell you right now. 
That's why we have a sign on our front window that says snowflakes not allowed. And if you ever want to know what a snowflake is, just, just come in the store. I'll be more than happy to show you the uh, dictionary definition of snowflake. And it has nothing to do with climate change, I can tell you right now. Uh, there's this article here about a, a UK teen. All he ate was junk food. And he went blind. And it wasn't overnight. It just, over time, he just went blind. Researchers from the University of Bristol warn that these diets lead to obesity, heart disease, cancer, and permanently damage the nervous system, particularly your vision. There's a lot more to this, uh, especially some of the things he was treated. He was, had to be treated with vitamin B shots. That's not fun, I can tell you right now. The thing I don't understand, where's his parents? Where's the parents that allowed this kid to eat crap and drink crap? And then they sat back and got all astounded when his health went to hell. And that's another thing that's happening. Now, you've, I'm sure if you listen to any of the news, you've heard about the vaping problem. Now they have, it's either four or five people that have actually died directly to vaping. Vaping is you have a little electronic gizmo that sometimes looks like a cigarette, other times looks like a pack of cigarettes with a nipple on it. And it is uh, the liquid that goes inside of it is electronically heated to create a smoke that goes into your throat. You inhale it. So they got a guy in Pennsylvania now. They had to put him into an induced, a medically induced coma because he was dying. His lungs were shutting down and, and uh, the rest of his organs started to shut down as well. Here's the thing. My son and I have done some major research on vapors, vaping, um, ingredients, the equipment, and the like, because we were looking at trying to supply a CBD vape product that was non-carcinogenic and uh, wouldn't kill you or force you to be put into a medical coma. And we couldn't, so we dropped the, the whole research. Here's the problem. Most of this stuff that's in the liquids that they're going to vape, you know, let's say they want some liquid that tastes like a cigarette and has nicotine in it. My viewpoint is, why the hell buy an electronic thing? Buy a cigarette. That stuff is not flammable, so they have to add liquids to that concoction so that, that the liquids can be flammable and can ignite inside that the uh, vape housing and be sucked into your lungs. Two of the ingredients, one is PEG and the other is PG, they are pretty much like antifreeze that you put into your car. And by by uh, vaporizing them, heating them up, you, they now become toxic. Electronic cigarettes were never tested by the FDA. The FDA never never said yay or nay. Just people started selling them. They started from Chinese. China, they're all from China mostly. In fact, they all are all are. And in China, they don't really care. It's it's a plus if you don't die. You know that's a plus. It's a plus for their customers if the customer just doesn't die, so he can buy more of their. Chinese crap. What's happening is that those of you who smoke cigarettes, you're going to understand what I'm saying. You want a cigarette? You go outside, you light it up, you smoke it, put it out, go back inside, do whatever you want to do for, for you know, 15 minutes, half an hour, what have you. Then you go back outside, have another cigarette. Not with vaping, because vaping smoke does not linger. It's more of a steam there's games that people play, especially the millennials and the teenagers. How much smoke can I create? I'm serious. 
So they will inhale so hard and so long in one breath that their exhale will literally fill a room with white steam, white smoke. And the other thing is, and now that any idiot could figure that one out, that's going to, the, the more oxygen the, that you're pulling through the vapor, the vapor, the, the vape pen, the, the e-pen, whatever they want to call it, the hotter, because oxygen will allow the burning filament inside the vape pen to heat up more, the hotter it's going to get. So you're putting twice the amount of heat into your lungs that a normal cigarette would do. And number two, you'll know this yourself. You can see it. You know how you see millennials walking around holding their cell phone at all times, even when they're shopping? They're just holding it. Because why? They don't want to put it in their pocket because it might ring. They don't want to put it in their purse because they might get a notification that somebody posted something on their Facebook page. Well, they're also holding their vapor, their their vape pen, uh, again, whatever you want to call it. And they will continually suck on this thing for hours on end. They're putting a thousand times higher levels of contaminants into their lungs than somebody who smokes a normal cigarette. This is a problem with vaping. The other problem is parents are morons and they'll allow their children, well, I'm not smoking, mom. I'm only 13 years old, but I'm not smoking. I'm just sucking on this e-pen here. See, see, it's, you can't even smell it. And there's some parents that'll go, Oh, yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah. Now, here's something that a lot of you have a problem with, and that's sleeping. I read an article from the National Institute of Health about how sleeping, and everybody's told this, and I've been told this for decades, and you've got to get your sleep, otherwise you're not going to be healthy. Well, the National Institute of Health did a research on sleep, and sleep actually cleans out your brain. It actually cleans the crap and the garbage that you've been accumulating during the day, and it'll clean it out. It moves it into your blood system, which goes into your your liver and and uh, it gets and the kidneys and the other organs, and, and it cleans them out and filters them out. During the day, your brain creates a toxic protein called beta amyloid, and it accumulates in in the brain tissue of patients with Alzheimer's. So every patient who's ever had Alzheimer's and died from the disease has high levels of beta amyloids in their brain tissue. So they're realizing the only way to clean that stuff out is sleep. And sleeping causes fluid in your brain to move in a different manner. And it, it's, it acts more as a rotor rooter, <laughs> for want of a different term. And it goes into your brain and it flushes everything out. So it's very important that you get sleep. It's very important. We have a couple of products, and this brought to my mind some of the questions that people have when they come into the store here. Do you have anything to help me sleep? Well, yeah, we do. We have two things. Certain people out in the population who can't take pills, they just flat can't take a pill or a capsule. They just something psychological, or they have a small larynx or something they can't swallow properly. We have what's called a sublingual. It's called slumber helper. It's, it's a pill, it goes under your tongue, and in that area, it will slowly dissolve. And that, you just put it under your tongue. About a half hour before bed, you put one or two of them under your tongue, and then uh, you let them dissolve a little bit, and take, move them around your mouth, 
crunch them up a little bit, put them back under your tongue. They don't taste bad, and they, they actually help you sleep. They're not like a drug. You're not going to be goofy in the morning or any of that. It's called a slumber helper. So if you go on our website at se1.us, go to the health department, and you'll scroll down, and you'll see all of our sublinguals. We B12, B6, ultimate vitamin. We've got all kinds of different things down there for helping you sleep. And sleep is vital. Slumber helper. And the other thing that helps people sleep, CBD. CBD oil. That's a big thing. I would say easily 50% of the people that come in our store in Hayden, what do you have to help us sleep? What do you have to help us sleep? Well, I don't have anything that's going to knock you out. But the CBD oil, you take a dose of it just before bed, about a half an hour or so. Give it time to get working. It kind of soothes the savage beast within you. You ever go to sleep and you're laying there going, you know something, I should have done this on the car instead of putting a new spark plug in. I should have changed the coil pack. I bet I would, you know what I want? Did I adjust the emergency brake? I don't remember if I did. And you're just thinking and thinking and thinking. This helps shut that down. So the two things we have are slumber helper, sublingual, and we have the CBD oil. You can find both of them at ac1.us. All right, let's keep going here. Uh, This week, Dorian, a bad storm went through the Bahamas. It set on top of the Bahamas, and it just destroyed them. I don't know how to put it. I, I, I saw some live interviews of people who survived it. I would say 95% of all buildings in the Bahamas are, are, are flattened. They're, they're gone. They're destroyed. And they've found about 40 bodies so far. But they, people, you can't get in there. The, the, the airport's underwater. They're getting helicopters in there. There's, there's over 700 islands in that area. But not all of them are habitable. But this is a major, major problem. Now, you guys be careful because the scammers are going to be out in, in force. In fact, they're already out. And I've already got emails saying, help save the people in the Bahama, donate here. Do not donate to anyone except the Salvation Army or the Red Cross. And do so directly. Don't fall for any websites put up out there. Don't fall for any emails. Don't fall for anything like that at all. And be aware, because Walmart allows people, you know, we're looking for donations to stand out front. Be careful. They've got scammers out there. If you're going to donate funds, and that's what they would need. They need money to buy stuff with. You do the Salvation Army first. That's priority. Or the Red Cross. Well, let's see. Oh, here's something. Another liberal has come out with the perfect, perfect way to handle climate. You know, how, how change, it's changing and, and it's going to kill us all in like 12 or 11 or 10 or 9 years or something like that. And, and also, at the same time, handle the shortage of food worldwide. Uh it's great, great idea. Great, it's it's really smart. This guy's in uh, Sweden, and of course, everybody in Sweden is so intelligent and smart because why they let the invaders in first. He says we need to eat human flesh. It's not a big deal. We just get over the stigma. You know, if you if they're cooked well, and you don't take a live person, you take dead people. You take dead people, and you eat you eat them. You figure out what to make. You can make something out of it. I don't know. It could be. You could call it um, 
What could you call it? You could call it Soylent Green. Soylent Green is made out of people. Next thing, they'll be breeding us like cattle for food. You gotta tell them, Soylent Green is people! Okay, now we're into Islam. Something came out this week about um, American Airlines. It seems one of their employees sabotaged the plane. Now, of course, they're being very careful how they word all of this stuff. The fact that he was a Muslim doesn't play into it at all. The fact that he doesn't speak English doesn't play into it at all. The fact that he's been working for them since 1988 is beside the point. But he got caught doing something to uh, one of the electronic systems on the plane, and he claims that it was because he wanted overtime. They would tell him to fix it, and uh, he would get more overtime for this. So this is, uh, they want us to believe this, and this is, yes, okay. What, uh, what, what else is the, the uh, religion of peace up to? Let's see, an officer was stabbed in Jerusalem. Uh, there was a stabbing in Australia. Now, when I say stabbing, I'm talking about Muslims doing what Muslims do. And they stab people, they cut their heads off, they slit their throats, they rape them, they beat them up, they rob from them. They, Well, they are the lowest forms of life on earth. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about all Muslims worldwide except for the ones in the United States. The ones in the United States are just psychotic. See, two men went on a stabbing spree in France. The, the uh, Muslim mayor of Londonstown uh, had to pass an ordinance banning knives in public because there were so many knife attacks happening. And, of course, it's the knives that are doing it. It's never the people. It's just the same thing with a gun. The Sun newspaper, it's a U.K. company, actually has a list of all the killings and attempted killings that are being done in England and where they're being done. Of course, who's doing them? It's all Muslims. So far, as of September 6th, this year, there has been 100 stabbings. Uh, let me rephrase that. There's been 100 deaths from stabbings. There has been, I can't even add them up. I mean, good God. The, the page just keeps going. So there has been oh, I don't know, a thousand stabbings in, in uh, London. Now, coincidentally, that's where one of the largest uh, group of Muslims live. Now, we don't know how many is in the, this group because we're not allowed to go into their part of the uh, country, so to speak. It's called a no-go zone. But we're talking murders with knives by Muslims in a civilized country that is too stupid to put two and two together and kick them out. Well, I, I, I can't just blame London. It's the United States is too stupid to kick them out as, as well, especially when we keep electing them into political office. There's a website called jihadwatch.org, and they list all the astounding things that these representatives of the nation, of the uh, nation, of the religion of peace perform on a daily basis. Oh, I don't know, uh, mob attacks in Indian High Commission in India, uh, Muslims murder provincial human rights chief. 
Pakistan former cricketer threatens India. If I can hit a six with a bat, can't can I kill a man with a sword? Well, basically, there's a guy in Virginia that's decided that he wants to be a senator. Oh, he's running for state senator, okay? He's a Muslim. Qasim Rashid. Well, his opponent, which is obviously... See, all Muslims are Democrats. There, there are no Republican uh, Muslims. I mean, maybe just normal people, but none politically. But he's running for office in Democrat. He wants to be a state senator in, in Virginia. And his opponent... Well, let's, let's listen to this. And this is, him, Richard, this is him quoting about Richard Stewart, his Republican opponent. My Republican opponent is launching anti-Muslim Islamophobia attacks against me, questioning my loyalty to the United States and questioning my ties with terrorism. Okay, so what this guy, this, this Republican did, the Republican made an ad. All it is is him copying this Muslim in Virginia who's running for the state Senate. And he posted, he said, Qasim Rashid doesn't believe Islamic terrorism exists. Well, that was an ad that the Republican put out. And of course, in Islam, the truth is like their kryptonite. They can't handle it. They cannot, they cannot uh, exist around it. See, in 2018, Rashid actually came out and said no such thing as Islamic terrorism. He actually said that. So when the Republican says he doesn't believe in Islamic terrorism, he was telling the truth. But again, Muslims, they cannot handle truth in any way, shape, or form. You want to be called a racist, a bigot, all kinds of strange words, simply start quoting the words Muhammad said about handling infidels and when you can have sex with babies and that kind of disgusting crap the truth is is abhorrent to Muslims like it is to Democrats speaking of Democrats we have one of them and this guy is under this category Islam he's running for president on the Democrat ticket of course his name is Julian Castro he is a white hating racist and he happened to be at the Hamas-linked Islamic Society of North America annual convention, where he said this quite interesting thing. Muslim Americans, for generations, have been part of the fabric of our American family. They've helped make America the great nation it is. And of course, he didn't provide even a single example. And of course, I've gone back... I don't know, 400 years, I think it is. And I did. I found the only thing I find in our history mentioning Muslims is when we had to send the Marines in to kill a whole bunch of them to stop them from, from hijacking our ships on the sea. So you Democrats out there who have your head shoved somewhere that you can't really see reality anymore, are you really going to vote for somebody who's pushing Sharia law? Or here's another one. They already did vote for somebody. He was a Democrat governor, or he's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he, it's not was, he is. Democrat governor, Pennsylvania, Tom Wolf. He just converted to Islam. So you have a Muslim governor in the state of Pennsylvania. Now we're getting into liberal psychosis. 
There has been, unfortunately and sadly, a series of mass shootings in the United States. And when I say series, I'm not talking about a dozen. I'm talking, you know, two, three, something like that. One is too much. One is, is ridiculous. And the liberals are making a lot of noise about it, a lot. What they're not making noise about are the shootings that happen in Chicago. Just one, one liberal-controlled city. And we go back. Let's just do Labor Day weekend, okay? And this is different years, and this is the past few years. 13 killed, 52 shot, 41 shot, 7 killed, 35 shot, 9 killed. This is, a, this is just one city. This is just one weekend each year. This is what occurs in Chicago, and you don't hear them saying anything about that. I think Black's listening to me. I want you to understand this. The Democrats don't give a damn when, when uh, blacks are killed, only when whites are killed. You ever hear that saying before? Well, you're hearing it again. Year to date in Chicago, there's a website, heyjackass.com. Total shot year to date in Chicago, 1919. Killed, 353. So almost 2,000 blacks were shot in Chicago from January 1st to now. You hear anything about that anywhere? I don't either. Now, let's see. San Francisco. So I have my show notes here, right? And I write little synopsis of each of these articles. You sure don't want to... I won't, say, I won't read this out loud, what I titled this one. Let's just say that San Francisco City Council has decided that the NRA is a domestic terrorist organization. They branded it a, a, a domestic terrorist organization because the NRA is evil and, and wants people to, to keep their guns. You know, here's the thing that the communists, the Democrats, the socialists, whatever low-life words you want to use for them, they don't understand. The NRA is not a dozen people in their office in Washington, D.C. The NRA is millions and millions and millions of citizens of the United States who are members of the NRA who vote and who sure as hell aren't going to be giving their guns up because of five or six psychotic Democrats t talk them into it. So what they do, you know, what these corporations are doing is backdoor gun control. We, we know, we understand that. Uh, Citibank has tried that and they lost 30% of their stock value. Walmart came out and said that they're no longer going to sell assault weapon ammunition. Now, what is assault weapon ammunition? Well, they don't know, but behind the scenes in the small print, they're no longer going to be selling 223 or 762 by 54 ammo or 762 by 39 ammo. That's the ammunition that's standardly used in the AR-15 and an uh, AK-47 or an SKS. And Walmart's going to put a sign up and says no, no uh, open carry firearms in the store. Good luck. This is Idaho. Even grandmothers carry guns. But Walmart has decided that that's what they're going to do. They're no longer going to sell, of course, they're no longer going to sell anything that takes a magazine. Uh, they're no longer going to sell those kind of, those, that kind of ammunition, 223 and 7.62x39. And this is Walmart and Kroger. They're also going to restrict all kinds of other caliber ammunition 
and many of the stores are going to do away totally with firearms. But they're not they're not uh, all the all alone in this. Let's see. There's companies that won't allow you to open carry. Now, open carry means people can see your gun. Now, what hap- has happened is some idiots, instead of just having their handgun on their hip and walking around with it, they throw an AR-15 over their shoulder and they walk into stores. Now, what the hell for? Well, I can see you doing that if you're going to sell it to somebody in there. But it's ridiculous to do that, and it really makes everyone else look bad. Well, here's some stores that, well, some of them say concealed carry is okay as long as we don't know about it. But most of them say no no firearms in the store. What a burger, Sonic Burger, Panera Bread, Chili's, Starbucks, Target, Costco. I can tell you one thing up here. Everybody ignores it. There's a dozen firearms on people's hips in Costco at any given time. Trader Joe's, Chipotle, Heb, H-E-B, it's a grocery chain. CVS, Walgreens just jumped on it. We're asking our customers to no longer openly carry firearms into our stores. And Wigman's. So these are stores that don't want people bringing in their firearms anymore. And I, I understand all of that. You know, I, I get it. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. And people have an option of either shopping there or not shopping there. There was a, a town hall. Yeah, they call it a climate conference or climate crisis town hall. And this is a CNN, of course, the Communist News Network. And they had the 10, the 10 most communist Democrats running for president on there. Let me give you what they said. They, so we'll summarize it, all right? Because uh, this, this town hall on TV was the seventh lowest rating thing on. Julian Castro said that uh, we need new civil rights legislation to address environmental racism. Huh? Andrew Yang, uh, he's going to eliminate gross domestic product as a measure of national success and replace it with a system that includes environmental factors. Okay. Kamala Harris, uh, she would direct the Department of Justice to go after all oil and gas companies who have directly impacted global warming. Well, first we have to acknowledge that global warming exists. Amy Kubicher called for a reversal to the Trump admin's move to roll back regulations on methane emissions. Cow farts are very dangerous, he said. Joe Biden, uh, he, it took him half the show to remember that he was on TV. Uh, he, nobody understood exactly what he was saying. Uh, Bernie Sanders was asked whether he'd roll back Trump admin plans to overturn requirements on energy-saving light bulbs. Uh, he, he replied, Duh. Elizabeth Warren said, this is not a joke. This is on CNN politics. Elizabeth Warren said that restricting light bulbs, banning plastic straws, cutting down on red meat, all of these are ploys put out by the fossil fuel industry to get people focused away from them. Pete Buttigieg said that climate change might be more challenging than winning World War II. Hmm. Beta O'Rourke said that should he be elected president, 
He'd spend federal dollars to help people in flood-prone areas move to higher ground. That one I thought was funny. Because every one of these idiots that live in, a, in, a, in an area that is a known floodplain do so out of choice. Cory Booker, he's a vegan, said freedom is one of our most sacred values. Whatever you want to eat, go ahead and eat it. Okay, so th- this is, see, no wonder they had lousy ratings. Oh, and O'Rourke was asked, can you clear up this misunderstanding that everyone has on your view of firearms? And he came out and uh, yeah, I want to be really clear. That's exactly what I'm going to do is confiscate everything. You're going to have to sell to the government. And the United States isn't the only place with snowflake fruit cake, fruit cakes. <laughs> Chick-fil-A decided to open a store in Canada. This is the first first one. This is Canada's first Chick-fil-A. So a bunch of snowflake fruit cakes uh, and sexual perverts. I'm not sure if these are males or females. Oh, this one says I'm a lesbian, so that must be. I don't know. Whatever, they're, they're having a die-in, one can only hope. But they're laying out front and they're, they're uh, protesting about something. something's wrong about putting a piece of chicken between two pieces of bread. I don't get it. But they're, they're all pissed off and upset. And then somebody walks up wearing a MAGA hat and triggers them. That was astounding. I just, that was great to see that part. Oh, in England. In the UK. Most schools in England are, are fairly proper, right? The, the girls wear specific type of skirts or dresses, and then boys wear a specific type of, of trousers or slacks. Well, the girls got a notice in the uh, mail that they're no longer allowed to wear dresses or, or, or skirts. They now, the, the schools want to have a gender-neutral uniform policy. So they're no longer allowed to wear skirts, both males and females, and those who haven't figured out yet, may only wear trousers. Well, here's the one. This is this one is this, this one's funny. I I really like this one. A uh, progressive author, obviously, Snowflake. I love this. A Pulitzer Prize nominated, a person nominated. So you don't get it. You just get nominated. You know I. I was nominated as president once. I was also nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. One of my commercials that I used to cut was nominated for Pulitzer Prize. I don't brag about it because I didn't win. I guess that's something different when it comes to some people. Uh, This woman, her name is Rebecca Mackay. She is a snowflake like you wouldn't believe. And she urges all of you, because I'm not one of them, all of you normal people to stop wearing red baseball caps because they remind people of MAGA hats and it triggers them. So stop wearing... It's like putting a swastika on your arm. The red hat has become a symbol of hate because of how its wearers act. The wearers of the red hat simply stand there while you morons make fools of yourself spewing spittle and screaming about hate. And which brings me to a point. I just got in about 50 hats for uh, Trump 2020. 
Now, these are high quality. They're made in China. They're not cheap. They're not cheap, cheaply made hats. And they trump 2020. Some of them are camo. Some of them have, they have American flag on them. They're all high quality. They really are. And we sell them here in the store. $15 a piece. Two for 25, three for 30. And like the sign says, why wait till election time? Trigger a liberal now. Come in and buy a hat. All right, so talking about CNN, Communist News Network, the great uh, debate they had, which wasn't really a debate. It was 10 communists trying to out-commie each other on on the climate. So they're going to host another one. They're going to host another debate. And this one is going to be, let's see, you're going to have 10 communists trying to out-pervert each other. Who can be the biggest pervert? So CNN's going to host the LGBTQFNGL, I don't know, how many letters in the alphabet? Democratic Presidential Town Hall. They're going to, they're going to host a, this, this thing where they can praise all the sexual perverts and, and the disgusting humanoids that vote Democrat. And this is coming up. When is this? I know you're all going to want to see this. So I don't know. It, you'll just just look on the Communist News Network. I'm sure they'll announce when it's going to be, but it'll be in Los Angeles. Speaking of trying to out pervert each other, and I, I, we all knew this was coming. We everybody knew it. Once the nose of perversion gets under the tent, the rest of the creature crawls in eventually, and that's why the Democrats are pushing to make pedophilia legal in America. See, in Islam, it's acceptable to have sex with children. This is not, I'm not saying this as a joke or to be mean. I'm saying this because I've read it in the Quran and then in, in the Hadiths and in some of the other writings. It's acceptable to have sex with children. To give you an idea, one of these holy books a man can have sexual pleasure from a child as young as a baby. However, I'm not going to read any more of that because it's just, this, is, this is the typical Muslim disgusting speak. But the, the, the whole key here is that now uh, the organizations that make up the groups of sexual perversion in the United States is going to be pushing for sex with children. There is already an organization, Man Boy Love, and they're all 100% Democrats. Now it's going to be pushing more and more. I, you know, I again, you go to armchairsurvivalist.com on the left-hand side of the page. You can see show notes, and I will have links to everything I'm talking about there. You don't need to waste your time believing or not believing me. You can go there and read them yourself. Just look for the date of this show. Click on it, and you'll see the show notes, and you'll be able to read for yourself what's going on with this thing, with these these uh, creatures they call liberals. One of the problems that every generation has is the fact that words change. You know, they get new new words come out. Like when I was a kid, there was a word, a new word called hippie. I had no idea what that was. I thought it was a fat-butted woman. I had no clue. What do I know? But that just gives you an idea. So these new words pop up, but what the Democrats do is they take words and they pervert them, such as gay. 
I knew as a child, gay of heart meant somebody that was very happy. And the Democrats perverted it to mean sexual pervert. The word phobia means unreasoning fear of. Democrats perverted that to mean don't like. Like homophobia, Islamophobia, dog poop phobia. You know, it's it means a different thing now than it used to mean. It's kind of interesting. I find this, and I had to I had to come to um, agreement and understanding of this some years back. That the the younger generation always likes to change words around. They're very lazy, especially the millennials. They're very lazy. They don't want to say the full word, so they'll just say some a word that's just two or three letters. Like a fac. First time I saw FAQ on the internet, I thought, what the hell is that? Well, that's short for frequently asked questions. George Carlin has a little clip here on his viewpoint on the changing and um, the modification of the English language. I don't like words that hide the truth. I don't like words that conceal reality. I don't like euphemisms or euphemistic language. And American English is loaded with euphemisms because Americans have a lot of trouble dealing with reality. Americans have trouble facing the truth. So they invent a kind of a soft language to protect themselves from it. And it gets worse with every generation. For some reason, it just keeps getting worse. I'll give you an example of that. There's a condition in combat It's when a fighting person's nervous system has been stressed to its absolute peak and maximum, can't take any more input. The nervous system has either snapped or is about to snap. In the First World War, that condition was called shell shock. Simple, honest, direct language. Two syllables, shell shock. That was 70 years ago. Then a whole generation went by. And the Second World War came along, and we, the very same combat condition was called battle fatigue. Four syllables now. Takes a little longer to say. Doesn't seem to hurt as much. Fatigue is a nicer word than shock. Shell shock. Battle fatigue. Then we had the war in Korea, 1950. Madison Avenue was riding high by that time. And the very same combat condition was called operational exhaustion. Hey, we're up to eight syllables now. And the humanity has been squeezed completely out of the phrase. It's totally sterile now. Operational exhaustion. Sounds like something that might happen to your car. Then, of course, came the war in Vietnam. And thanks to the lies and deceit surrounding that war, I guess it's no surprise that the very same condition was called post-traumatic stress disorder. Still eight syllables, but we've added a hyphen. And the pain is completely buried under jargon. Post-traumatic stress disorder. I'll bet you, if we'd have still been calling it shell shock, some of those Vietnam veterans might have gotten the attention they needed at the time. But it didn't happen. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons is because we were using that soft language, that language that takes the life out of life. And it is a function of time. It does keep getting worse. Give you another example. Sometime during my life, sometime during my life, toilet paper became bathroom tissue. I wasn't notified of this. No one asked me if I agreed with it. It just happened. Toilet paper became bathroom tissue. Sneakers became running shoes. False teeth became dental appliances. Medicine became medication. Information became directory assistance. The dump became the landfill. Car crashes became automobile accidents. 
Partly cloudy became partly sunny. Motels became motor lodges. House trailers became mobile homes. Used cars became previously owned transportation. Room service became guest room dining. And constipation became occasional irregularity. When I was a little kid, if I got sick, they wanted me to go to the hospital and see the doctor. Now they want me to go to a health maintenance organization or a wellness center to consult a health care delivery professional. Poor people used to live in slums. Now the economically disadvantaged occupy substandard housing in the inner cities. And they're broke. They're broke. They don't have a negative cash flow position. They're broke because a lot of them are fired. You know, fired, management wanted to curtail redundancies in the human resources area. So many people are no longer viable members of the workforce. The CIA doesn't kill anybody anymore. They neutralize people or they depopulate the area. The government doesn't lie and engages in disinformation. The Pentagon actually measures nuclear radiation in something they call sunshine units. Israeli murderers are called commandos. Arab commandos are called terrorists. Contra killers are called freedom fighters. Well, if crime fighters fight crime and firefighters fight fire, what do freedom fighters fight? And some of this stuff is just silly. We know, we all know that. Like, but we don't have any cripples in this country anymore. We have the physically challenged. Is that a grotesque enough evasion for you? How about differently abled? I've heard them call that differently abled. You can't even call these people handicapped anymore. They'll say, we're not handicapped, we're handicapable. These poor people have been bullshitted by the system into believing that if you change the name of the condition, somehow you'll change the condition. Well, hey, cousin, doesn't happen. We have no more deaf people in this country, hearing impaired. No one's blind anymore, partially sighted or visually impaired. We have no more stupid people. Everybody has a learning disorder. Or he's minimally exceptional. How would you like to be told that about your child? He's minimally exceptional. Oh, thank God for that. Psychologists actually have started calling ugly people those with severe appearance deficits. It's getting so bad that any day now I expect to hear a rape victim referred to as an unwilling sperm recipient. And we have no more old people in this country. No more old people. We shipped them all away. And we brought in these senior citizens. Isn't that a typically American 20th century phrase? Bloodless, lifeless. No pulse in one of them. But I've accepted that when I've come to terms with it. I know it's here to stay. We'll never get rid of it. That's what they're going to be called. So I'll relax on that. But the one I do resist, the one I keep resisting, is when they look at an old guy and they'll say, Look at him, Dan. He's 90 years young. Imagine the fear of aging that reveals. To not even be able to use the word old to describe someone. To have to use an antonym. That fear of aging is natural. It's universal, isn't it? We all have that. No one wants to get old. No one wants to die. But we do. So we bullshit ourselves. I started bullshitting myself when I got to my 40s. As soon as I was in my 40s, I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, I guess I'm getting older. Older sounds a little better than old, doesn't it? Sounds like it might even last a little longer. And it's okay, because thanks to our fear of death in this country, I won't have to die. I'll pass away, or I'll expire like a magazine subscription. If it happens in the hospital, they'll call it a terminal episode. The insurance company will refer to it as negative patient care outcome. And if it's the result of malpractice, they'll say it was a therapeutic misadventure. I'm telling you, some of this language makes me want to vomit. Well, maybe not vomit. Makes me want to engage in an involuntary personal protein spill.
Alrighty, so now we're done with the uh, liberal psychosis. Now we're under the category of called Trump. There's not much there. See, most of the stuff with Trump, you're not going to believe anyway. You'd be a fool to do so. Almost everything to do with Trump is a either manufactured or a flat lie or a perversion of the reality and truth that actually happened. So it's really hard. It's really hard to figure out what's real and what's not. All the Democrats are screaming for gun control because of the last mass shooting. And, I, you know, I understand. In their, in their psychosis, inanimate objects are the enemy. Humans can never be responsible for anything because they have no soul. So it's always an inanimate object. Big, 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 big news come out. All the newspapers, all the media, including Fox News, come out saying Trump administration considering social credit score system to determine who can buy a gun. Okay, I know that's BS, but it is basically a perversion of the reality. And the reality of it is that some of his administration approached him and said, Big tech is, we already know they're spying on us. Why not use their data to determine who is safe to buy a gun? So even these Republicans are coming out and saying, we need to be able to restrict who can buy firearms. I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and watch that and see what happens. See what transpires from it. Uh, In the next category, I'll have a little more information on this thing, but... Now, the Democrats are really upset that us stupid people would actually give money to the Trump campaign, be it personal money, like from me, or business money, like from my business. So what they want to do is shame us. This is called shaming, right? Because nobody would truly give money to such a hateful, racist, bigoted, uh, homophobic, woman-hating, orange-haired bigot. So they, that's why we hide our names, right? We're all, we're all hiding our names. So therefore, they think that if they boycott these businesses, first, if they publish the names of all of the people that are, that are uh, donating towards Trump, then people can go out and boycott the, their businesses and uh, go and annoy them at their personal homes and, or, and their businesses. I mean, you, you know, this is how this is how the communists work. They say, "Here's the the person who's causing the problem that we think is a problem. Go there and assault them, and antagonize them, and screw with them." This is how they. This is how the underbellies work. Big article, Trump donors and their businesses face fresh wave of boycotts and public shaming. This is what gets me. I, I wouldn't be shamed. If these low-life gutter trash Democrats posted my name and address and phone number and said he donated X amount of dollars to the Trump campaign, I'd say, well, thank you. Do, do I win a prize? See, I'm not concerned about somebody coming to me or my business and threatening me or boycotting me or any of that good stuff. I'm not as civilized as I sound. And neither are most people. 
Yeah, see, you have to act civilized if you're a politician. You know, like Mick McDonald, when they go to his house and screw with him, he he has to be civilized. He co- he can't go out there with a baseball bat and start cracking their skulls. It wouldn't look good on YouTube. So, oh, I don't know. Like this one woman found this uh, pizza parlor, Frank Pepe Pizzeria, pizzeria. He supports Trump. So a Facebook user named Lorna Steele posted a message to her followers. I'm no longer funding his hate. Funding his hate. Something that I learned as a child. When people come to you and say, you did this, you're this kind of person, you're this, you're that. It's usually them saying to you what they are. So when you have these communists go to anybody who's just simply standing there wearing a red hat and saying, you're a bigot, you're a racist, you hate this, you hate that. The person's just standing there. Hasn't done anything. That is known as a liberal psychosis. They're going to be really trumping up, so to speak. Sorry to use the word. The whole concept of of, uh, doxing, which is posting the private information of people. They're going to really make that more and more a supposed weapon. You know, it's like, this is the funny part. When you have these seven or eight-year-old kids that walk around to other seven and eight-year-old kids and go, you're ugly, your eyes are too close together, your mother wears combat boots. Well, you know, that's stupid. But they do that, right? But when these seven and eight-year-old communists, they go to a 21-year-old, 30, 40, 50, 60-year-old conservative and say, you're hateful. You're racist. You're this. You're that. We just look at you like you're a little tiny poodle pissing on a carpet. You mean nothing. Out of slight annoyance. To the little poodle, normally you'd go, scat, get out. And if it doesn't stop and go away, then you pick it up by the scruff of the neck and you put it out. If you're nice. If not, you'll drop kick it through the back door. Oh, by the way, this is National Preparedness Month. And our U.S. government has decided on this. National Preparedness Month is uh, September. And there are weekly themes. Like week one is save early for disaster costs. You know, when the Schumer hits the fan, you're going to need some money to survive somewhere. Week two, make a plan to prepare for disasters. Not to prepare for disasters, but to make a plan to prepare. Week three, teach youth to prepare for disasters. See, nowhere in here does it say prepare for disasters. It just says make plans. And uh, week four, get involved in your community's preparedness. But be that as it may, this is Be Prepared Month, National Preparedness Month. So take that. If you don't do anything during the year, use this month just to do a few little things to... You know, think ahead. You know, it depends where you live. If you live in in an area that is floodplain and is prone to being flooded, get a kayak. One of the things that we had, uh, we had some customers when I, I was a master gunsmith for 25 years. And we had, we sold a lot of guns, over 50,000 firearms. And most of them were highly collectible, very expensive guns. So obviously you don't want them rusting. And one of the big things that I I did was refinishing firearms that had been in a flood or a fire 
or damaged somehow. And people, they never think of these things. Do you ever think that your guns are rust if they get wet? Do you ever think that if you, if you save your paper money in a box, if it gets wet, is it going to mold and mildew and dissolve? People don't think, I have a, let's say they have a stat. Now, this was real. This is true. Guy had a quarter million dollar stamp collection. And this was in, um, I think it was Yuba City, California. And he was one of my listeners. Well, river overflowed there. He lived on the other side. Flooded his house. His stamp collection was in a box. Got wet. So much for a stamp collection. Think ahead. If you have things that could be damaged, like rusted, because you're in a floodplain and it usually it can flood, maybe a foot or two in your house, make some some modifications to your home in the attic or in upstairs somewhere where you can put some of your firearms. Or waterproof them. Vacuum pack them in a bag. I'll be talking about that on another show. But keep things safer than uh, normal people do. You have to modify how you do things. It's like we have listeners in Arizona. And it gets real hot there in the desert. And that's where they live. They built a storage shed. It was 20 by 20. It was a foot thick concrete walls. And they had an air conditioner in the back wall that a little one that was running continuously and it kept the temperature at 50 degrees inside that building so they had bought tens of thousands of dollars worth of food from us uh canned meats and a lot of number 10 cans fruits vegetables butter cheese that kind of stuff and they had it in that room they had electricity so he wasn't worried but the power went out for a day and that freaked him out because that's when he realized, oh my God, I have so much money invested in that stuff and if I can't keep it cold, it'll boil and cook in a couple days. Well, he got his power back the next day. But what he did was he went out and he got some solar panels and put them on a roof and he got an inverter and he got a battery bank and he got it set up to where if the power goes out, he can run the AC during the daylight hours and keep the food, if not frozen, cold at any time see so he's thinking ahead and that's the same thing that you ought to do with with your stuff and think of this let's let's say and i'm just you know throwing this out to you you live in an area that can that can flood or you live in an area that uh forest fires are are predominant during certain seasons or you live in an area where there could be a fire remember murphy's law if it can go wrong it will so have Sure, it's smart to have a get out of dodge bag, a go bag, with just uh, you know a couple changes of clothes and some emergency food and and a couple bucks and a few other things. But think also of your clothes. How can how quickly can you grab what you think is valuable and get it in your vehicle and get out? Think about that. That's called preparedness. I'm not saying put a rack at the front door and hang all your clothes on it so you can grab them all and throw them in your truck on the way out but think what you can do think what would be the smartest for you to take a lot of people use uh military ammo cans and they put ammunition in them obviously now those cans are theoretically waterproof now if you're smart you don't just buy a can and use it you open it up you, you check the seal on it clean it good grease it a little bit so when it's closed it's a tight and waterproof seal 
they use that to put ammo in. They use that to put precious metals in. They use that to put uh, uh, cash in. They use them to put uh, collectibles. Like I, I collect uh, uh, U.S. bills, currency. I put them in there so they're waterproof. They're not fireproof, but I'm not worried about fire. I'm not worried about water either. I'm worried more about the government than I am <laughs> any natural uh, calamities. So think ahead. Like if you have animals, a dog, a cat, and you got to get out of there. So fire's coming, a flood's coming. Is there a, a, a can of cat food that you can grab or a can of dog food that you can grab on the way out to take with your, your Fido or Felix? Yeah, so that's thinking ahead in case you have to bug out. Think ahead in case. That's called preparedness. That's what a prepper is. It's thinking ahead of what to do in case of an emergency. And the U.S. government, or whoever's in charge, they, they, I think it's FEMA now, they understand all of this. And they understand that they've been, uh, they need to help people. I think this started about, about 10 years ago where the government would actually care enough to tell people to have some something in case of an emergency. I remember the first page I saw the government put out, it said, make sure you had plastic sheeting and duct tape. I'm not kidding. Plastic sheeting and duct tape. At least it was a start, right? And so it's, you know, it's gotten better over time. Yeah, there's, a, and I'll have a page. Again, you go to armchairsurvivalist.com left-hand side show notes and you will see links to all the things I'm talking about and the preparedness thing it'll be there you can go to that page and you can uh, learn all about it and see exactly what they're talking about just so you all know how to listen to me you know you go to armchair survival obviously let me let me rephrase this you obviously know how to listen to me because you're listening to me but you go to armchairsurvivalist.com and on the left-hand side of the page uh, you can uh, if you want to download the show you can click on the little uh, nipper dog listening to the RCA Victor gramophone, and it'll take you to the dates of my shows, and you can download them there. You can also listen to me if you go to armchairsurvivalist.com and click on chat room. little thing at the front says, listen to my show live Sunday in the chat room. Well, click on that, and then you can listen to me live. If you miss the show, on my chat room page, you'll see a little hand pointing to the right, and it's pointing at listen 24 hours a day to the most recent show of the Armchair Survivalist. Click here. Do that, and you'll be able to download or listen live uh, to my show. Now, I have different ways you can listen to me, and I'm, I'm improving these each time. I'm on Global Star 3 Satellite. You can listen there. A Stitcher. I'm on Stitcher. You can pick it up there. And let's see. What else do I got? I got Spotify. I'm on Spotify. I'm on iHeartMedia. I'm on archive.org. That will blow your mind. If you go to archive.org, it used to be called the Wayback Machine. You'll understand why it's called that by going there. I'm also being hosted by anchor.fm. So I have a lot of different places that you can pick me up and listen to me. And I have a guy who's working on a new app for me. Sooner or later, it'll get done. And then, then I'll, you'll be able to, on your Android phone, pick me up and, and listen to me that way. So we'll, we'll get all of this figured out. It just, just takes some more time. I don't have an engineer anymore that I can blame all this on. It's all on me now. All right, now our, our category is going to be government threat. So Apple came out and now they apologize. What do they call this thing? This is a, an, it's, it's one of these items that, that help you, like Siri, 
uh, or your micro, it's a speaker or a headphone or a watch or all these different things that you can say, Siri, play Mozart. Well, Apple's is a, a Siri, and they've been saving audio recordings. I told you this, and so did many other people. Everything you say to any of these smart devices, it's being recorded. So Apple has apologized, and by doing so, they've acknowledged that they're recording it. But we already knew that, didn't we? Google and Amazon use their smart speakers for surveillance. See, this is a two-edged sword. On one side, it's great because then you can ask them questions and, and they'll understand what you're saying. Uh, they'll put you right where you want to go, uh, like a smart TV. You say, change it to channel 37. I want to watch uh, Bunker's House or Big Bang Theory or whatever. And it goes, yes, sir. Boom, done. Except they're saving all of that data. All of the tech companies are saving that data. There isn't any of them that aren't saving that data, and they do so. We're talking YouTube, Google. Well, there's a, a tech investor named John Borthworth, and he was being interviewed by the Senate. He knows a lot about this kind of stuff, and he broke it loose and said it exactly like it is. In 2020, you can bet that all of these companies are going to go all out. And the methods that they're using are invisible. They're subliminal. They're more powerful than most any effects I've ever seen in the behavioral sciences. And I've been in the behavioral sciences for almost 40 years. You personally supported and voted for Hillary Clinton. I was a very strong public supporter of Hillary Clinton, yes. So you're not dis dismayed that people voted for her, but your testimony is that Google is, through bias in search results, manipulating voters in a way they're not aware of. On a massive scale, and what I'm saying is that I believe in democracy, I believe in the free and fair election, more than I have any kind of allegiance to a candidate or a party. And looking forward, if I understood your testimony correctly, you said in subsequent elections, Google and Facebook and Twitter and big text manipulation could manipulate as many as 15 million votes in a subsequent election? In 2020, if all these companies are supporting the same candidate, there are 15 million votes on the line that can be shifted without people's knowledge and without leaving a paper trail for authorities to trace. Now, now, you described the Go Vote reminder, and you said it wasn't a public service announcement, but rather manipulation. Can you explain how? I'm not sure everyone followed the details of that. If on Election Day in 2016, if Mark Zuckerberg, for example, had chosen to send out a Go Vote reminder, say just to Democrats, and no one would have known if he had done this, that would have given that day an additional at least 450,000 votes to Democrats. And we know this without doubt because of Facebook's own published data, because they did an experiment that they didn't tell anyone about during the 2010 election. They published it in 2012. It had 60 million Facebook users involved. They sent out a go vote reminder and they got something like 360,000 more people to get off their sofas and go vote who otherwise would have stayed home. The point is, I don't think that Mr. Zuckerberg sent out 
that reminder, 2016. I think he was overconfident. I think Google, Google was overconfident. They, all these companies were. Uh, I don't think he sent that out. Without monitoring systems in place, we'll never know what these companies are doing. But the point is, in 2018, I'm sure they were more aggressive. We have lots of data to support that. And in 2020, you can bet that all of these companies are going to go all out. And the methods that they're using are invisible. They're subliminal. They're more powerful than most any effects I've ever seen in the behavioral sciences, and I've been in the behavioral sciences for almost 40 years. What you are testifying to is that a handful of Silicon Valley billionaires and giant corporations are able to spend millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars collectively, massively influencing the results of elections. And there's no accountability. You said, we don't know. We have no way of knowing if Google or Facebook or Twitter sends it, sends it to Democrats or Republicans or how they bias it because it's a black box with no transparency or accountability whatsoever. Am I understanding you correctly? Senator, with respect, I must correct you. Please. If Mark Zuckerberg chooses to send out a go vote reminder just to Democrats on election day, that doesn't cost him a dime. Do you happen to know who the Hillary Clinton campaign's number one financial supporter was in the year 2016? The number one financial supporter of the Hillary Clinton campaign in the 2016 election was the parent company of Google, Alphabet, oh, yeah. who was our first witness. They were her number one financial donor, and your testimony is, through their deceptive search methods, they moved 2.6 million votes in her direction. I would think anybody, whether or not you favor one candidate or another, should be deeply dismayed about a handful of Silicon Valley billionaires having that much power over our elections to silently and deceptively shift vote outcomes. Again, with respect, I must correct you. The 2.6 million is a rock-bottom minimum. Mm. The range is between 2.6 and 10.4 million, depending on how aggressively they used the techniques that I've been studying now for six and a half years. Wow. Could, could you say that again, please? Just The 2.6 million is a rock bottom minimum. The range is between 2.6 and 10.4 million votes, depending on how aggressive they were in using the techniques that I've been studying, such as the search engine manipulation effect, the search suggestion effect, the answer bot effect, and a number of others. They control these and no one can counteract them. These are not competitive. These are tools that they have at their disposal exclusively. All of these tech giants, YouTube, Google, Apple, everything you do on the internet, everything you say in the presence of a smart TV that has the microphone on, or smart speakers, smart watch, smart this, whatever these things that listen to you, they're all being recorded. There is an app you can buy. You can buy a scope for a rifle that is uh, very powerful, and you actually can sight it in using an uh, application on your cell phone. So the government has gone to Google and demanded that they hand over the over 10,000 users of that app. Not people who bought the scope, people who have the app. Because that they can track, can't they? Does it scare you? Google got fined $170 million because they were downloading information on children. This is in the UK. So YouTube is helping this out because there's so much hate speech on YouTube. That they purged over 100,000 videos and 17,000 channels for quote-unquote hate speech. What's hate speech? It's whatever YouTube and Google decided is. 
It could be somebody reading the Quran. It could be somebody reading the Bible. But what's a channel? Okay, a channel is like I have a channel. Armchair Survivalist. You go on YouTube and you do a search for the Armchair Survivalist. You find it. I've got over well over 100. Well, they call them videos, but it's just the audio, right? Because I wouldn't, I'd never do a video. I, my, I have a face made for radio, so I'm not going to do videos. That's a channel. Uh, YouTube is protecting people, and we know better than that, don't we? I saw this article pop up, and it said, Terror watch lists ruled unconstitutional. And my first thought was, well, that's about time somebody actually stood up and had it and got it handled because it is unconstitutional. Until I found out who did it. It is uh, a bunch of Muslims got together and hired this other Muslim to sue the U.S. government for it. And what it does is it takes all the Muslims off of the terror watch list. So there's no more terror watch list. This is what it says. There's no more terror watch list because, well, it's now illegal. It's, it's unconstitutional. And 97% of the people on that watch list were Muslims. And now they're no longer on the watch list because, it, well, of course, that watch list doesn't exist, right? Now, I made a mention of this thing last week. And it's, every day I find a new, a new uh, example of this. People are destroying themselves because of social media and the big mouth. It's, it's no ifs, ands, or buts. They're, they're doing this. They're, they go on social media. And, and I don't care if you're conservative or liberal. It's generally millennials. They really think that there's no repercussion for their, for their actions. There's no repercussions for their, act, for their mouth, for their threats, for what they say. There's, I, I'm astounded by this because I wasn't raised this way. I know there's repercussions if I open my big mouth at the wrong time. So this guy, he's a former Marine. He's trained. And he's in Oregon. And he comes out and he's mentioned something about if Antifa screws with me, I'll slaughter them and I have a detailed plan on how I could wipe out Antifa. What could go wrong with that? Except Oregon's red flag, red flag laws allowed the law enforcement to come and confiscate all of his weapons. This is the thing that you can't do. You don't want to set yourself up for this kind of attack. And people do this because they get angry and they let their mouth run away before their mind. Or they're just naturally like to talk. They don't care what they're saying. They just open their mouth and, and blab about it. Look, this is the whole king, and this is the whole thing. The red flag laws are coming. There's no you, you can't avoid them because the majority of states have liberals in control of them, and these liberals are going to pass the red flag laws. Not just the liberals, but the rhinos. They're Republican in, in name only. So here's some ideas. Keep your mouth shut. Well, first off, unless it's Unless it's it's uh, economically necessary, get off of social media. Because sometimes you can make a mistake. Keep your mouth shut. Don't say stupid things. Because there are so many in any chat room, in any any uh, uh, 
even in discourse or uh, on on uh, communication systems where people talk back and forth, don't 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 say anything bad. Don't say anything evil. Don't say anything stupid, especially on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. And be careful what you search for on Google because they're, they're, they're recording every search that you do with your IP address. That's why I tell people, use start.com or ixquick.com or DuckDuckGo. Use any one of the numerous anonymous search engines. There are so many people out there, trolls specifically, that are just looking for data. And if you open your mouth at the wrong time, you're going to be in trouble. There's a lot of online chat boards. Be careful of followers. You know, you go on, you go on, uh, on Facebook, and people contact you, and say, "I want to be your follower. I want to follow you." And most people go, "Sure, sure, 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 sure." I was on when I was on Facebook. I would get requests all the time, and I. I'd uh, go look at their page and I'd research them just a hair just to make sure that they weren't going to be some troll or, or some undercover. And uh, then I'd accept them. Well, people get to the, get lazy, and I did, and I just started collecting followers. I had thousands and thousands and thousands of followers on my Facebook page, and I finally said, that's it, done. Boom, dumped them all. And again, don't be a loudmouth. Don't brag about stuff. Never keep all your firearms in one location. See, this is the thing. This is about red flag laws. Let's say you got a wife who's just a typical millennial, and uh, you you uh, you don't put the dishes away right. She starts screaming at you. Well, the neighbor could hear that. Call the police. Police come out, and they're thinking, "Well, there must be some kind of a problem going on here," and confiscate your firearms if they're all at the house. So don't keep them all in one location. You've got to be careful about red flag laws. They People will say, I don't care who it is. It could be your neighbor. It could be your brother. It could be your wife. It could be your mother. When you, As soon as this red flag, red flag thing is triggered, you've got to make sure that you're protected. You've got to make sure that that person... Uh, has the right to do what they're doing. There's it's a combination of mental health laws and uh, your background, what they're going to check on. In, the, in other words, how big your mouth is and uh, how many stupid things did you, uh, did you say on social media. But I will have this data on my website. It's how to defeat a red flag confiscation. It's just some ideas. There's nothing, no guarantee there. All right, this section of the show is going to deal with a personal thing that I uh, didn't think I'd ever have to deal with. Many of you listen to me on, on, the, uh, on my website, armchairsurvivalist.com. Go into chat room and you can, you can listen and you can, also, you can also read chats that people are posting and talking about. Okay, so that's one part of it. Now, the other thing is that I used to be on other networks. These networks are now defunct, but there would be... Trolls, if you want to use the term. These are people that would come on into the chat rooms of various networks and, and other uh, hosts 
and mess with them and and uh, oh, just say things like, "Oh, do you, you hear what Kurt's been saying about you?" Or they t- they tell me, "Kurt, did you hear what John's been saying about you?" Or what Jim's been saying about you? Or all of- they were passing off third party information with the intent to antagonize and instigate problems and upset. Well, we've had certain trolls come into the chat room many times. They would say rude things, insulting things. I mean, they talk like a like a typical. Typical uh, millennial <laughs> snowflake Democrat, but uh, they would be—they're racist, they're hateful, they're pornographic, they're—they're they're everything in the world, and their intent is to disrupt the uh, chat room or upset me enough to where I can't continue talking. Well, finally, they gave away enough information that I was able to dis- discover uh, who they work for. A lot of you know that that. Uh, I belonged to the Church of Scientology some years back, and I left that in 2012. Now, what I'm going to talk about, this is not a push for Scientology. This is not a PR thing. What this is, is to let those that are listening know that I actually know what I'm talking about. Uh, I've been associated with the Church of Scientology since about 1971 or 72. Just to give some history on this, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Lafayette Ronald Hubbard, he's the guy that founded Dianetics and Scientology. He was born March 13, 1911, died January 24, 1986. He was an extremely prolific science fiction writer. We're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books and millions of words. Uh, he, he, that's how he made his living. He did this from like 1930 to 1948, during the heyday of the golden time of science fiction. And and there's a long history on him, and I'm not really going to be talking about his history, the the, uh, arguments for and against, or any of this stuff. This is all from my viewpoint. He was kind of like me. It was a lot better than me in in many ways, that he traveled a lot more, was able to uh, experience a lot more of the world when he was young, and he started to develop certain uh, specific formulas in his mind about how the human mind worked. And in 19... 48, basically. He wrote an article called The Original Thesis, Dianetics. And it was in one of his science fiction magazines that uh, he he would write for at times. And it was just him, basically, talking about his study and what he's coming up with. How does the human mind work? How can mankind or... Joe Schmuck right next door. How can anybody improve their lot? And he come up with this concept called Dianetics. It's it's Latin for uh, through the mind. And it was simply originally as just a short story. And, the, and he figured that would be the end of it. But all of a sudden, he started getting people contacting him, wanting more and more and more and more. And his publisher got a hold of him and said, Ron, you, you've got to do something. This this is really hot and heavy. I've never had so many thousands and thousands of letters from people that were interested in this subject. So why don't you write a book on it? And he said, well, okay. So he did. In 1950, he came out with Dianetics, Modern Science, and Mental Health. If it was a paperback, the thing's about two inches thick. It's not a light read, I can tell you right now. Well, it was it, it immediately went on the bestseller list, and it's been on the bestseller list New York Times bestseller list for, like, it stayed that way for about 15 years. Dianetics is a type, and I'll just put this in my own words, without reading any of the PR. 
Dynetics is a type of psychotherapy that's not really a psychotherapy. You understand what psychotherapy is, is where one person is talking to another and trying to guide him to understand uh, why he screwed up and how to unscrew him. What Dianetics believes is that basically you have two parts to your mind. You have the analytical part. That's where you look at the screen and go, oh, two plus two equals four. And then you have a reactive part. And uh, the psychiatrist will call this the unconscious mind. If, if you can imagine that your mind is always recording like a, like a camera, whether you're aware or not. So if you're aware and you're well-fed and you're rested and, and nothing's attacking you or, or anything like that, you, your analytical mind is functioning quite fine. But if you get into an accident, say, well, it's, your mind is still recording. It goes directly into that unconscious or reactive mind. Let me give you an idea how this works. Let's say you're three years old and you're just walking down the street with your dad and this dog comes out of nowhere, knocks you down and nips at you a little bit, then runs off. Now you hit your head on the concrete of the sidewalk. So you're you're not quite unconscious, just almost unconscious. So you have this, in the, it goes directly into the reactive mind and it has all of the parts of this. It has every perceptic you can imagine. Most people think of perceptics of touch, hearing, smell, taste, and sight. There's 57 of them. There's time, there's taste, there's color, there's depth, relative sizes, sound, and under sound, pitch, tone, volume, rhythm, heat, cold, oiliness, organic sensation, gravity, temperature, external and internal, the level of consciousness, and I can go on. All of these perceptics are locked into the reactive part of your mind. So you have basically the sound of the dog barking. You have the feel of the dog's teeth on you, on your arm or wherever it, it nipped you. You have the, mo- the movement of your body falling. Then you have the sensation of your head hitting the concrete. You have the feeling of the wind. You have the sound of your dad yelling. You have all, all of these things are locked in there, and it becomes an incident. So there's this incident, all right? Now, you're 15 years later. And you're 19 years old or so, and you're, you're out on a date with your girlfriend. She, you go over to pick her up, and she has a poodle. And as soon as that dog enters the room, uh, you start to get a little anxious. And she notices that, and she says, what's wrong? She goes, and you just, well, I, I, I just don't like dogs. I, don't, I hate dogs. I don't, I don't like dogs. Well, this is a lover. No, get it away from me. So this incident has been keyed back in. And all it took was the vision of the dog and maybe the, the, the sound, the dog might have yipped a little bit, and the toenails on the linoleum. So different parts of the, uh, of the incident kick back in, and now you react to it. Unconsciously, but you're reacting to it. This can get bigger and bigger and bigger. Humans have thousands of these. And they mo- might not just be pain. They might, just, they might also be loss, like when you, someone that you love dies. Or when someone steals your car. Or something that affects you heavily emotionally. The hypothesis is, in Dianetics, is that these incidents get locked up in a reactive mind. And they affect you further in life. And they limit you. Not just that. They cause specific problems. They can affect your heart rate. That's easy to figure out. You know, if you go into fear, your heart's going to start beating more. Your blood pressure's going to go up. And if you're sitting there calmly and your blood pressure is like 
oh, I don't know, 120 over 65, and a dog walks in the room, and now your blood pressure is about 160 over 90. You didn't do anything. It was totally controlled by your mind. These incidents can also affect the body. And I can tell you, and I'll tell you in, in a little while some examples. And in Dianetics, you, you follow specific procedures. You can eradicate these incidents in that part of the mind. And as you do, the person becomes more aware. The person becomes uh, more analytical, less reactive, is more in present time than stuck somewhere back in, the, in his past. Dianetics addresses psychoses, phobias, psychosomatic illnesses. That's a big thing. The psychosomatic illness. And a psychosomatic illness doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> it's real because you created it. So it reduces e, uh, emotional trauma, it raises IQ, and it raises your reaction rate. It helps stabilize uh, your heart rate, blood pressure, digestion, a bunch of other stuff. All right, so this is what Dianetics is. Now, Dianetics, by the way, addresses the body. It works, it, it's, it's to handle the body is, is his premise in the beginning. But the more that he did in his counseling and in his uh, learning about this, L. Ron Hubbard I'm talking about, is that he found out that there's more to it than just the body. There is the spiritual being as well. You can't address the body without handling the, uh, the spirit. Or in Scientology, it's called a thetan. It's some Latin word, you know. But anyway, it's basically it means the, the spirit or the soul. The, the idea in Scientology is that you, you don't have a soul like, you know, you don't have a little pet doggy called a soul. You are a soul. You are the spirit. You're inhabiting the body. With that in mind, Ron decided that this, is, this should be a religion because it deals with the spirit. There's a lot of people out there that say, oh, no, he, he, did, he created the Church of Scientology for tax purposes. I, I don't care. Whatever, whatever he did, whatever he did it, he did it. It, it doesn't matter because I know what this stuff does, and, and I've had it used on me. And, and uh, So Scientology came about in, about, in, I think, 1954. Scientology technology is a, is a lot stricter and much more, much more specific than Dianetic auditing. Auditing. Auditing is basically a, a Scientology word for counseling. So an auditor is a counselor. So Dianetics, I can take somebody who's, who's been damaged or who's harmed or who's upset or who's traumatized, and right there and then I can uh, audit them. I can talk to them. I can help them find sources of, of problem and, and help them uh, eradicate them. Scientology is a different matter. It's it's much more strict, and it's done in in uh, specific offices. Now the concept, the original concept of Dianetics, was to er basically erase all of those bad thoughts, bad the traumas and 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 the like that occur and go into your reactive mind. The idea is to erase all of those. Well, not erase, but more like shed the light on them so they no longer are hidden and you're no longer the effect of them. Now you, you, you can see the incident when the dog attacked you, but it no longer has any uh, validity to you. It's just, you know, looking, you just, well, look, look, the dog attacked me. Yeah, okay, fine. And that person, when, they're, when their reactive mind is cleaned out, it's called a clear. 
That means they no longer have their own reactive mind to influence them in a negative manner. I personally think that that is the best thing for the planet. Because you see so many people walking around who react instantly to something. And there's, it's not logical in any way, shape, or form. You see people who have psychosis. Psychosis is a break in reality. You know, it's like I take a knife, I stick it in my hand, I know it's going to cause pain. Well, these people, there's some people who think, I take a knife, I cut my hand, I'm proud of myself. Well, that's insane. <laughs> so it, it handles that. It handles the unreasonable phobias. How many of you know people who are afraid of spiders? Ask them, you ever been attacked by a spider? No, they're just icky. Okay, so that's a phobia. Now, personally, I learned the difference <laughs> of different spiders. I'll pick some up, I'll mush some. And some I turn around and run away from. It's totally different. But it, but that's analytical. So what the Dianetics was designed to do was to take these incidents that you have in your reactive mind and actually move them up into your analytical mind and make them memories so that uh, they no longer hold any uh, force over you. And I'll give you an example of one. Uh, I'm a Dianetic uh, auditor, counselor. I, I've done thousands and thousands and thousands of hours uh, addressing different parts of different people's minds. The Remember the Brown Derby restaurant in, Los, in Hollywood? Um, he was one of my clients. There was a famous baseball player, pitcher, who was struck down with multiple sclerosis. He was one of my clients. And I had an old woman. Now, I did about 1,000 hours of internship. And I had an old woman come into my into the clinic one time. She was 80-something years old. Now, this is in the, in the 80s. And she had walked stooped over for her whole life. And she was always sad. Always, her whole life was sad. She'd married, had a dozen children, and they all said she's just always sad. There's, we don't know what's wrong with her. So... I was talking to her, and, and uh, she found something in her reactive mind in 1905. During the Bolshevik Revolution, she was just a little kid. Uh, she heard horses outside. Her mother, her, her sister, and her heard horses running up to the house, and her mother had her and her sister hide under the bed. And while she was hiding under the bed, she saw three men come in, rape and murder her mother, that so traumatized her that for the rest of her life she walked stooped over. Now, I don't speak Russian, but in the middle of this of this, uh, this session, um, she's talking to me in, in Russian, and I'm just, you know, following the procedures. Let's, let's handle this and, and handling it. And by the time I was done, she was sitting up straighter in the chair than she'd ever had in her whole life. And she was obviously no longer extremely upset like she had been so this is the kind of thing that it handles uh, this is what Dianetics does and that's why I became so enthralled with it years ago now again Dianetics kind of merged over into Scientology Dianetics is like a um, how do I put this it's like the red flyer wagon it rolls it can carry things it's it's a good workhorse but when you got into Scientology, which Scientology, the technology in Scientology is more like a 727. Super fast, super powerful, and, and really handles big chunks of people's problems. You have Dianetics, you have Scientology, 
been around since 1950. Hundreds of thousands of people on Earth are happier, healthier because of it. All right? Now, it, it offers different classes, different courses. Life is not as simple as, as uh, oh, here's a book. Read this book, and now you're an expert on life. There's, a, there's many different facets to your life. One of them is being able to communicate. Everybody can open their mouth and make grunting sounds. But you have to be able to communicate. And there's a technology to that. And there's a course you do. And you do this course, and you, and you have both. You have theory, and you have practical. And in all good schools, you have those two divisions. One is theory. You learn the theory of it. And then you do it, so you have practical. Then there's another course, how to study. That was a mind blower for me. And there's other courses, how to get along with others. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I'm not going to go through them all. So you have all of these different courses that you could take. Uh, you, you'd go to a, a main church. Like in Los Angeles, you have the, the main churches down there. Uh, where is it? Uh, Vermont and Sunset, I think it is. You would go down there. You would pay for the course. You'd go on the course whatever time that you were going to be there, and you do it. Here's the thing. The Church of Scientology is like a naval ship. It's built to perform certain astounding tasks. I was in the Navy, right? So this is, this is why I'm using this. But the limitation is its crew. So if you've got a, druggies, a bunch of druggies and a bunch of morons and smart alecks and trouble causers, that ship's going to get a bad name. And that's the problem that I found in Scientology. You would have it, it's the technology is is flawless. The technology works a hundred out of a hundred times. Unfortunately, they got a bunch of fools running it. Not just fools, but very very dangerous people as well. They have the same typical emotions that other humans have: greed, laziness, self-importance, uh, bigotry, phobias what have you. Just because you're in Scientology doesn't mean you're the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the early 80s, I started to notice that the church itself wasn't functioning in accordance with the the regulations that Hubbard had created. He created a specific and complete science of organizational rules. So any organization, it doesn't matter if it's a church, it could be it could be uh uh, a recording studio. It could be a construction company. There are specific rules to organization. And if the, if the business followed these rules, they would succeed the most majority of the time. Well, the church wasn't following these rules. There was more and more things that were being changed. And then one day, I got a, uh, and this is an 86, I got a notice, uh, an email that said, uh, your presence is requested at the uh, convention center in Los Angeles, there is a, a major announcement. So thousands and thousands and thousands of Scientologists showed up one night there. I'm looking at the stage. Now, you, I'm too far away. You can't see the stage. So they have these TVs all over the place. So I'm looking, and, and this, little, this little guy walks up on the, to the podium and gets up on a step, and he's standing there, and, he's, and everybody's applauding. I don't know who the hell the guy is. And I looked at the girl next to me. I said, who... Who is this dwarf megalomaniac down there? And it turned out his name was David Miscavige. And he come up with this cockamamie story about how Erwan Hubbard needed to do further research, so he left his body on Earth and took off to the stars. And I'm like, in other words, Ron Hubbard died, and this 
this used car salesman took over the Church of Scientology. And he proceeded to turn it into a money-grubbing, totally controlling organization. It was not in any way, shape, or form what Ron had envisioned. And it got it went straight downhill from there. He perverted Hubbard's teaching so bad that now it's impossible for a normal person to ever reach the higher levels in the Church of Scientology. Scientology has different levels. As you gain knowledge and awareness... Of what's of the universe and yourself, and you know you go up up the ladder, so to speak. You're not going to do that now. It's going to cost you too much money. We're talking in a quarter million dollars type stuff. This is utterly ridiculous. Hubbard also said that he uh, he said you put all your attention on people, not on property. So what is this guy doing? He's building Church of Scientologies all over the world. There's more staff members in these churches than there are public going in there. I can tell you right now. The very first thing that this guy did was kick out of the church everybody who had ever worked or been trained by L. Ron Hubbard. Just get him out. Because, you know, if, if you don't want, ever want to leave any enemies behind, right? When you're taking over an area. In 1993, he f- signed a, uh, and this is David Miscavige and a few other uh, heads in the church, signed an agreement with the IRS. Now, you trolls that are listening to me, Almost no Scientologist out there will know these things. But I do because I'm an investigative journalist. He signed in 1993 a direct and parasitic alliance with the IRS. Every dime... Now, by the way, if you're going to buy a course or or some counseling or something in Scientology, it's called a donation. So every donation any of the parishioners have ever made, the data goes directly to the IRS. Not just your name and how much you spent, but what you did you use a credit card, what's your bank account number, what's your social security number, blah, blah, blah. It goes directly to the Internal Revenue Service. I'm noticing some members of the Nation of Islam down at the main church. This is years ago. And it turns out that uh, Louis Farrakhan had been getting Dianetic auditing, and so he brought uh, a bunch of his people there. Louis Farrakhan is, is the most evil, racist person on earth right at this point. But David Miscavige wanted him there. He has uh, He's supposed to be keeper of the tech, but he's altered it so bad, it's, it's ridiculous. And people started leaving the church. People aren't stupid. They realize this guy is scamming us. So they start leaving the church and leaving the church. So he has to figure out ways to make money. So what he does is he comes up with these weird ideas. First, and this was in 96, he comes up with something called Golden Age of Tech 1. And he claims that that uh, they have discovered a bunch of errors in Ron's writings. So they corrected everything, and everybody has to do all their courses over again and buy all the books over again because now it's all corrected. What? No, no, people fell for it. And you ask me, how can people stay with the Church of Scientology? How can the Nazis stay with Hitler? Because they get so enthralled with it that they can't envision anything other than it. Like the technology, there is, no, there is nothing on earth that has the same technology and workability as Scientology. I'm not talking about the church. You understand the difference. The church is an organization. Scientology is technology. Well, that golden age of Tech 1 in 96 
didn't get enough money. So in 2012, he did the same thing, called it Golden Age of Tech 2. And that he discovered more policies that were hidden and blah, 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 and all of this stuff. So basically, we call it recycling. So what, what he's doing and what the Church of Scientology is doing is trying to recycle all the old Scientologists so they can keep, keep uh, uh, making more and more money. Now, where do I get all this information? Let me tell you my history on it. In 1971, that's when I discovered the Church of Scientology and I went and did the communication course. I lived at home at the time and my mother, she saw a whole change in me and it impressed the hell out of her. So uh, it, it turned out it was a good thing, right? So I did this communication course. It took me like three months to do it and fifty cost me 50 bucks at the time. I had heard a bunch of weird stuff about the church. I mean, all kinds of things like uh, they have orgies in rooms. Uh, they steal your children. They You got to be careful or you'll get your car stolen or, or they'll rape you in your sleep. Or I mean, all of this weird stuff. So I figured, you know what? I want to find out. I lived in Sacramento at the time, so I traveled to Los Angeles and I joined staff at Celebrity Center. This is the uh, this is the this is the part of the church where all the celebrities, the actors, actresses, singers, musicians, you know, all of the all of the celebrities go. I actually worked in the church. I wanted to find out what was going on, and no, there's no orgies. There's nothing like that. There's this is just nothing more than uh, I get up get up in the morning. I go to work and I go home. And I lived in staff housing. I made um, I made maybe five dollars a week, but they gave me food and lodging. And I was there to help people. I I met a lot of very well known people. Every morning, I got a hug by Anne Francis. You know who Anne Francis is or was? She played uh, Honey West. Uh, picture having a beautiful young blonde give you a hug for luck every morning. And then uh, I, another good friend of mine was Richard Kyles. Now, he's not somebody you'd want to have hug you. He's a guy that played Jaws in, in uh, James Bond movies. Uh, he was seven foot two, and he was a good friend of mine. I, I knew him for years. I, I was even there when Rock Hudson came in. That was a mind blower. He came in to get some Dianetic uh, some auditing, some Dianetic uh, uh, counseling, and he was in there maybe 15 minutes, and he took off, literally took off running. It's because the auditor found out that he was a homosexual, and his he didn't want that to go out into the public yet. So I, I uh, after a year, it, it didn't didn't suit me right, so I left staff. I learned a lot. I really learned a lot. I learned I learned the truth behind it, the the functioning behind it, the organizational procedures behind it. And I, for the next few years, I did uh, training and counseling in various different places until it ended up about 1980 uh, or so when we ended up in in Los Angeles again, and I started training on Dianetics. Uh, I've done over 4,000 hours on that, but about 2012. Things really were getting squirrely. Uh, I'm I'm not an I don't understand it. I I don't care about it. Uh, I knew that what was going on was in direct violation of the both the policies that that uh, L. Ron Hubbard had written and his wishes. Uh, they were in direct violation to that. Prices for 
the simplest things in the church were, were skyrocketing. And it got to the point where you can forget it if you're just a normal guy making even making $20 an hour, you're not going to be able to afford any of the things that the church claims it's offering and, and can help you with and the whole nine yard. You know what I did was I started looking for some of the original people that had trained under Ron. We're talking in the 60s and 70s. And I started finding them. And they were all over the world. And they were still operating. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, these people were kicked out of the church. How could they still be doing Scientology? And that's when I discovered the Church of Scientology is not Scientology anymore. Real Scientology and Dianetics is being offered everywhere else in the world but the churches. So you know I'm up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I discovered that one of the women that had trained under L. Ron Hubbard in the 70s and was one of the best counselors on earth happened to live up here. So my wife and I moved up here. Now the church offers to train and and audit or counsel you up to a certain level. Well, I've far surpassed that level by now. Obviously, I am clear, but I've far surpassed anything that, that the Church of Scientology can offer. And because I have my pulpit here, and because I talk to people, they have at times tried to browbeat me and threaten me. Uh, They've even sent people up here. Obviously, these people didn't know me. Otherwise, they wouldn't have come up here. And and the idea was to, uh, to intimidate me to such a degree that I would stop everything else I was doing and go back to Los Angeles and go back to work for the church. But once they saw that I was six foot two, two hundred and fifty pounds, and didn't take crap, they changed their mind and they left. And once the internet really kicked in, my my radio show started doing better. They started sending these people into the chat room, and not just my chat room, but chat rooms of other hosts, radio hosts. Not everybody is is as aware of what's happening as I am. See, how a troll works is this. Say you're a troll, right? Say you make $15 an hour screwing with people on a chat room. So you go to work. They hand you a file. File says Kurt Wilson, the armchair survivalist. You don't know who the hell I am. You don't even care. So you open the file, and here's, here's notes from previous trolls saying what they've said, how they've said it, and it's a, it's a, it's a file, right? And it, so it's also a, a text file that's, that maybe it's in word perfect or something like that so you can cut and paste some of these things so troll one gets uh, demoted and goes somewhere else so they bring troll two in who goes through the file and starts screwing with people and starts doing things and saying things eventually the troll slips up because they get so complacent doing what they're doing they uh they really don't care they don't pay attention well, I'm just an idiot anyway, so I'm I'm not paying attention. And his job is just to screw with me and to to uh, create divisiveness in the chat room or antagonize people or you know what have you. Well, this last one screwed up, and now I know that he works for the Church of Scientology, and I use the term he loosely. So that's why I decided to come out with this. And I want everyone to know that, no, I'm not a member of the Church of Scientology because it's so perverted now. It is nothing in any way, shape, or form like envisioned or created by L. Ron Hubbard. No, you can't intimidate me because I don't give a damn. 
Scientology is no longer at the church. Scientology is everywhere else on earth. Do you know they, there was a main organization of Scientology in Israel, and the whole organization left the church at the same time. So if you're in Israel and you want Scientology, boom, it's right there. All right, so I, like I said, I didn't really want to talk about this, but I, I, I had to because I'm done with the uh, BS from the, from the church, and I'm not going to allow it anymore. If you want to do some research on yourself, by yourself, on Scientology, look up the word free zone. So I'm giving you this data. It's not as a PR stunt in any way, shape, or form. I do not want you going to the church. Uh, I mean, if you want, I mean, that's up to you. you. Do whatever you want. You want to go to a church to find out about this? Don't give them your real name. Don't give them your real address. You will never get off of their mailing list, ever, the rest of your life. Years after my mother died, she was still on their mailing list, and they would not take it off. And my brother called them on the, on the phone and said, Wilma Wilson died. Can you prove it? Send us a copy of her death certificate. You go to hell. You're not going to get it. Anyway, that's all there is on me and the Church of Scientology. If anybody has any questions, uh, you've got my email address, kw at armchairsurvivalist.com. I'll be more than happy to answer questions. Uh, if you're in a specific area or location and you want to know more about it, just give me, give me a holler. Let me know. I'll be happy to help you. But again, stay away from the Church of Scientology. All right, I only got about a minute left, so let's sum it up like this. My job is to uh, make you more able to survive better, which means I need to teach you things that are dangerous to you, and I do that. I also teach you things that if you follow them, you'll survive better. The things that you need to learn out of this show is, in fact, that's what I ought to do, is start having a summarization at the end of each show, kind of summarize everything. Watch what you say, where you say it, who you say it to, especially if you're around any electronic instrumentation because everything's being recorded now. This is a given. Everything's being recorded. So everything you say can and will be used against you. You ever hear that before? Be very aware of what you say when you say it. Don't be a coward, but just be aware that the enemy is out there and they are after us and they will use anything in their power to come after us. The rest of it is the Church of Scientology. It's very sad. It started off great. It started off with the intention of helping mankind. And the church has been reverted to nothing more than a money-grubbing organization. The Scientology itself, Dianetics itself, the, the two sciences, the two technologies. If you want to find out about them, you can do that. I might put a link or two on my show notes for them, but not for the church. I really, really, really warn you, do not do it. Unless you want to. That's the whole key, is your self-determinism. You're in charge of yourself, so you are the one that determines what you do. Just realize everything you say, everything you do, there are repercussions. Keep your nose in the air and your ear to the ground and pay attention because life is a participation sport. See you next time.